Hello and welcome to History for Weirdos. We're your hosts, Andrew and Stephanie. And each week, we're going to take you on a journey into the strange, obscure, and relentlessly entertaining corners of human history. Now listen up, friends, because it's about to get weird. Welcome back to episode number 89 of the History for Weirdos podcast. It is always good to be sitting here ready to record an episode for you all. Absolutely. And before we get into it, we have just a couple quick announcements. Yeah. Number one, I'm sure you, our guys, are all well aware so far that we have launched our trip to Italy. Yay! So there's still spots available even for the pre-sale. Yeah. So you guys get a discount if you sign up sooner rather than later. So I would advise you guys to do that. Yes, we will be headed to Florence and Rome next April. And we would love for as many weirdos as possible to join us on this trip so we can get to know each other and see some historical sites together. I know. I'm honestly so stoked. I know. It's going to be amazing. It's going to be really cool. So that's happening. And then also... Episode 90 is happening next week, and we're going to do a little special mythology episode. Yes, this was inspired by an Instagram Ask Us Anything. Yes. Um, Someone asked us about our favorite mythologies, so we're turning that into a special episode. Next week, you'll get to hear from both of us. Yeah, special, special, indeed. (laughs) Okay, well, without further ado, Stephanie, what do you have for us this week? This week, I have a chilling story to share with you and it was actually recommended to me by one of our lovely weirdo listeners shout out to Paige. thanks to Paige, we're about to dive into the dark history of the infamous sanatorium known as starvation heights oh my goodness my jaw was open (laughs) but i realized you guys can't see that (laughs) yeah i love when i like point to something or make a face and then i realize no one can see me but you yeah yeah (laughs) Not that you don't matter, but... You guys matter more. Yeah, of course. So, our story begins in the early 20th century in Olala, Washington. Okay, is that a real place or you just make that up? No, it's a real place. And I knew you were going to say something. Um, Olala is the native Salishan word for berry or berries. So that's where the name comes from. Oh, wow. That's actually pretty cool. It's a small town nestled amidst the beautiful Pacific Northwest forests, and it's a ferry ride away from Seattle. Okay. So P&W, got it. Greater Seattle area. Yeah. It was in this quiet and scenic place that a woman named Linda Burfield Hazard found her unfortunate calling as a, quote, fasting specialist or quote fasting doctor and that reminds me to share there is a brief content warning for this episode on starvation as you might imagine so anything about like food restriction if that's not your vibe you could skip this one and there's some like like it's medical trauma um you could interpret it as although this woman is much more charlatan than doctor as you will come to see Ooh, we're talking about quacks here she's a quack that's a really good word for her nice you may be wondering what it means to be a fasting doctor because what the hell is that <laughs> yeah this is 20th century yeah wow linda hazard believed that fasting could cure all ailments and oh cleanse god. the body oh my god okay her extreme and damaging methods weren't 
unique to her, but Linda approached these tactics with a notable fervor, and she ruined lives in the process. Well, you know, in a way, fasting can cure all ailments because you die. Oh my god. So so dark. I mean, in a way, she is right, just not in the way that she probably intended. Oh my goodness. (laughs) I had not thought of it that way. Yeah. Big brain thinks smart. Yes. Well, Hazard preached that by abstaining from food, the body would heal itself. She claimed that fasting could cure anything from the common cold to cancer. Oh my god. Yeah. It's that easy. And so in 1908, Linda Hazard opened her sanatorium, which she called Wilderness Heights, later renamed Starvation Heights by the locals. Oh, snap. Yeah. But before we get into the details of what goes down at Starvation Heights, let me tell you a little bit more about Linda. Okay. Linda Burfield Hazard's early life was marked by tragedy. She was born in 1867 in Carver County, Minnesota. She grew up in a very strict religious household. Linda's parents were Christian scientists who believed in the power of prayer and spiritual healing over medical intervention. Uh, Her childhood was marred by the deaths of her siblings that could have... They were sick and those illnesses could have easily been treated Mm. with medical intervention. Um, But they were denied that by the parents. This experience... I know. This experience influenced Linda's uh, rejection of traditional medical practices and it fueled her belief in her search for understanding alternative healing. Yes, I know. (laughs) Kind of a weird way to interpret that. But... yeah. I'd imagine she was a child when that happened, so your brain isn't really making sense when something like that happens. Linda Hazard attended a medical school in Minnesota, but she never completed her degree. Uh, She married someone named Samuel Christman, a fellow student, and they moved to Seattle. However, her marriage ended in divorce, and she began using the name Hazard, which was her mother's maiden name, which is an oddly fitting name for this woman. Were they related to the Dukes? The Dukes of Hazard? Yeah. I didn't I didn't Google that. I don't know. Okay. <laughs> it was during this time in Washington that Linda began experimenting with fasting as a means of healing. She claimed to have cured herself of various ailments through extended fasts and convinced others that fasting was the key to good health. Wow. You know what? It's crazy because like if you do the like the morning fast, like the uh... I we are not doctors. I would right. not I'm not giving any advice. There are people who say that intermittent fasting is helpful. There intermittent are... fasting, yeah. And there are people who say that it's not that helpful. Right, so it's inconclusive. Always consult with your own doctor. Yeah, so yeah, we are not medical <laughs> professionals. Do not take anything what that we say about medicine to heart. Ever. Ever. But, yeah, I will say I did do intermittent fasting when I was like working out. And yeah. I, I'd have coffee with a little bit of uh, like fat in it. It was like coconut, I think, oil. Coconut oil. And that mm-hmm. did help me, like, I think, lose a little bit of pounds in the stomach area. But again, like I was also just working out every day. So. And you were eating later. I, yeah, I was eating later. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, Hazard traveled to Europe to study alternative healing methods and to learn about European fasting practices, I guess. Hmm. Uh, she became heavily influenced by the writings of someone named Edward Hooker Dewey. <laughs> oh my God. A proponent. These names. I know. A proponent of therapeutic fasting and she had this new knowledge and this zeal for bringing these approaches to the u.s um and opening up her own 
healing space. Mm. So do you think she actually believed in this or was it like just all a ruse for her to make money? I think that's a great question and... We'll get into it. I think at the end we could discuss more. Okay. But that's a good question. Let's hold that question in mind as we listen to her story. That's probably fair. Linda's, um, you know, early life experience combined with like her personal experiments honestly like laid the groundwork for a really horrific career, you could say. Uh, And although she never went to medical school, she did obtain a medical license via a loophole in Washington state law at the time that allowed for loose regulations of alternative medicine practitioners. Oh, man. So she was able to call herself a licensed medical professional, even though she had no credentials or schooling to back it up besides her own personal research, I guess. And I want to put this into context with medical practices of the time, because as you pointed out, like, oh, this was the early 20th century. That's weird. But you'll see how weird this time was. Right. There were some good things happening, then there were some quacky things Exactly. This was a time of significant advancements in medical knowledge, but some really, like, backwards practices were going on as well. Um, Some really harmful and misguiding information was still very prevalent, and I just wanted to share some examples. Ooh. Number one, bloodletting. That was still happening at this time? Yes, isn't that nuts? Wow. Bloodletting, the practice of intentionally withdrawing blood from a patient was still being used at this time, despite its waning popularity. It was based on the ancient belief that balancing the body's humors, or kind of like the fluids in the body, could restore health. Unfortunately, this practice often caused more harm than good and would lead to excessive blood loss and the weakening of patients. Wow, who would have thought? Who right? would have thought? Also, it's wild to think the same century that we were born, like there were people still doing bloodletting. It's nuts to think how much like technology really speeds things up. Right, the 20th century. Kind of like mean, a big snowball effect of that. Yeah, 20th century is like just, I think, a really good prime example of that. Mm-hmm. There was also electrical electroconvulsive therapy known as ECT. Mm. I'm sure many of us have seen this in movies and things like that. Um, in its early form, electroconvulsive therapy was a, was a really crude and harsh procedure. Um, it's still used today, but in a very different way. Back during this time, it involved inducing seizures in patients by passing an electric current through their brains. Oh my god. It was thought that this could treat various mental illnesses, but the effectiveness and the safety were very poor, to say the least. Some of the side effects of ECT include nausea, headaches, confusion, and then uh, memory loss is a big one. Right, you're like frying someone's brain. Mm -hmm. Worst part is that uh, it was really common for folks to receive ECT without their consent. Mm. Right, because this was really targeted at people with more severe mental illnesses. Um, so even if they objected, they would still be given the treatment. Wow. And then last, the last example I wanted to give, because I thought all of these were so weird that I had to include it in the episode, was radium therapy. Oh, jeez. Radium, a radioactive element, was believed to have curative properties and was widely used in medical treatment at this time. It involved the use of radioactive substances to treat conditions like cancer. The irony... The irony. Uh, However, as we know, the long-term effects of radiation exposure are not good. They 
And many patients suffered uh, severe radiation burns and then, you know, would later get cancer if they didn't have it already. Wow. Who would have thought? Yeah, who would have thought? It's important to note that these harmful medical practices were products of their time, really influenced by limited understanding of medical science and just like pseudoscience beliefs, honestly. Yeah. Thankfully, during, you know, shortly after, we do gain a ton of medical knowledge and um, a lot of these harmful practices are abandoned. Thank goodness. Thank goodness, indeed. Let's go back to Starvation Heights. Lovely. How did Hazard get folks to go along with her torturous treatment? Well, apparently, Hazard was quite the charismatic figure. She mm. authored books and articles advocating for her fasting methods, drawing attention to her unconventional ideas, um, and many desperate souls seeking miraculous cures were lured in by her promises of rejuvenation and healing. But little did they know the horrors that awaited them. Oh my god. You know, that is particularly evil. Like, preying on desperate people like that. Yeah, preying on people who have maybe illnesses that have, you know, no treatment at the time. Right. Ay, ay, ay. And so, plus, you can, I mean, if you're offering someone, I can cure you of your incurable disease, like, people will pay anything. Like, price isn't an option. Yeah, you're right. I agree. And these people who, you know, are so desperate for help would really soon find that she had a sinister side. Yeah. Um, because once patients were admitted to Starvation Heights, they were subjected to a very rigorous fasting regimen. Uh, their meager diets consisted of small amounts of tomato broth or orange juice, barely enough to sustain them. Many patients grew weak, frail, skeletal, and would waste away as a result of malnutrition. I didn't include the list here, but they do have the diary of a patient that passed away here and he just wrote down what he ate every day and how he felt oh my god and it was like literally like half a cup of tomato broth you know for one day one orange for another day that's insane yeah like only water another day it's, it was really harsh to read Ugh. hazard claimed that fasting was the way to purge the body of toxins though that that's what would help you heal and she believed that your hunger was a sign that you were healing. So she encouraged her patients to embrace their hunger as a positive force. In this position of like as an authority, she wielded a lot of control over their minds, their bodies, and would often manipulate her patients into signing over their estates. Oh, wow. So she was a complete charlatan. Yep. She really just put people in the most vulnerable positions and took advantage of that. And as mentioned, the locals did call her treatment center Starvation Heights because some folks did manage to walk out of there and say, like, oh, she made me better. But a lot did not come back out. Hazard claimed that the deceased patients had succumbed to undisclosed other illnesses that she didn't know about. Like, oh, of they course. must have had cancer and I didn't know about it. Or they must have had cirrhosis of the liver and that wasn't my fault. Yeah, but I did get them to sign over their estate before they died, so oh, thank God. Don't worry, Don't I worry. control all their money now. <laughs> wow, what a terrible human. Mm-hmm. She was responsible for many tragic deaths, such as a woman named Daisy Maud Huglund, a Norwegian immigrant, Aww. came to the area, 
who died in 1908 after fasting for 50 days under Linda's care. And she left behind a three-year-old son named Ivar. Kind of like Iverson. Wow. Yeah, that's why I included that. Thank you. (laughs) Poor Ivor. I know. Um, Also, there was a man named Eugene Stanley Wakelin, who died from a bullet in the head on her property. But we don't know who shot him. I mean, the fact that it happened on her property, like, that's so suspect. Right? Many, obviously, like, locally suspected it was Linda or her second husband, Samuel. And if you're not keeping track, her first husband's name was also Samuel. Oh, boy. (laughs) Samuel, who also, in my research, they always referred to him as Samuel Hazard. So I don't know if he took her name. I really don't know. But he was called Samuel Hazard. Okay. And Samuel was, according to one source, quote, a drunk, a lecher, and a swindler, end quote. Well, makes sense that they're married to each other. They're a good pair. Yeah. He was married twice before, and he was married to at least one of those women while he married Linda, and he actually served jail time for bigamy. Oh my god. Because the state found out he was married to a bunch of women. Dude, this is... This is wild. Told you, this is a weird one. We're going to take a little bit of a turn here, and we're going to talk about uh, these two sisters who play a big part in this story. In 1911, British sisters named Claire and Dorothea, Dorothea was also known as Dora, uh, Williamson came to Starvation Heights seeking help. Okay. These sisters were the orphan daughters of a well-to-do English army officer, and they saw an ad for Hazard's book, which was titled Fasting for the Cure of Disease, in a newspaper while they were staying in Victoria, British Columbia. They read that Dr. Hazard, according to her own ad, was, quote, the only licensed fasting specialist in the entire world. Well, yes, for a reason. And that through her work, she understood the root cause of all health issues, including, quote, physical, mental, and moral. Wow. So she wrote good ad copy. That's something else we know about (laughs) Linda. She wrote amazing ad copy, apparently. Dorothea was born in India and Claire was born in London. And these two women were well-traveled. They were educated in Switzerland, England, and France. They were, however, known to be really naive and possess a childlike innocence. I don't say that to victim blame them, but I do say that that to point out that predators like Linda would look for people like that. Look for people who are very well-intentioned or are very trusting and would target them. That makes sense. Yes. It makes a lot of sense. So neither of the sisters, though, was seeking treatment for a particularly like life-threatening illnesses. They felt they were suffering from a variety of more minor ailments. Dorothea said she had a lot of swollen glands and rheumatic pain, while Claire did have a, a dropped uterus, or she was told she did, which was very painful. It was untreated and just really painful to manage. 
The sisters were great believers in, quote, alternative medicine and had already given up meat and wearing corsets in an attempt to improve their health, which was really weird for the time. Interesting. Okay. So they given up meat and stopped wearing corsets. Well, it's probably corsets probably weren't great. Yeah, I guess if you're complaining of like pain, then that's probably not helpful. Yeah. <laughs> Is being like cinched into this thing. True. The Williamson sisters um, likely envisioned like a quaint and calming wellness retreat when they saw this ad, right? Right. Like, oh, Olala, Washington. Like, yeah. I bet it's like super chill vibes. Somewhere Gwyneth Paltrow would go. <laughs> oh my God. That's probably what they're thinking, right? <laughs> but upon meeting Linda, they were really just into in, in for it. It was a nightmare. There's no health history taken when she meets them, right? Mm-hmm. There's no physical exam given. Oh, boy. And she just says, like, we need to start treatment immediately when she sees these women. Yeah, she's such a charlatan. Yeah. It's just crazy to me that, like, she clearly doesn't even care at all about these people. That's, like, entrusted to her care. Yeah. Who are trusting her with their lives. And she doesn't even... She must be a complete sociopath or psychopath. Mm. That's a really, really good assumption. Um... The first thing she had these women do, though, before going to Wilderness Heights was she had them stay in an apartment in Seattle where they were told to stay in that apartment, isolated. They were fed broth every so often, and they received hour-long enemas regularly. Oh, my God. So they must have been dehydrated. Yeah. When Linda finally had these women move to Wilderness Heights, each sister weighed no more than 70 pounds. Okay, that's disgusting. I know. That's so sad. Unsurprisingly, the longer the sisters stayed in Starvation Heights, the more Dr. Hazard became interested in their financial situation um, and wanted to know, like, who's managing your finances? Wow. Uh, I imagine she was thrilled to hear... That the two women were like happily telling her like, oh no, we manage all our finances independently. Oh, babies. No one oversees our bank accounts or anything like that. (sighs) Yes, the sisters were orphans, but they did have family and loved ones involved in their lives that they wrote to frequently during their travels, right? But the sisters were used to their family members disapproving of like their kind of like nutty health uh, endeavors. So they didn't tell anyone where they were going. Oh my god. Of, co- of course, though, that like makes sense that th- their family members were against their quests because clearly they don't have the best in- or, you know, understanding. Yes, they're too trusting. Exactly. Yeah. But thankfully, we don't... Um, I didn't see like exactly the circumstances as to how, but Dorothea, uh, one of the sisters, snuck out a letter to their childhood nurse named Margaret Conway, who was either living in or visiting Australia, different sources and different things. But Mm. she got a letter to her in Australia. And when Margaret reads the letter, it's basically gibberish. There's like, it's just like gobbledygook on the page. And she has no idea what Dorothy is trying to say. So she's spooked by the nonsensical letter and she goes, you know, to the Pacific Northwest where the letter came from. Yeah, absolutely. Be like, what is happening here? Wow, that's a really... I mean, traveling that far at this time would have taken forever. Yeah. I mean, there are no airplane, like, commercial airplanes at this time. Yeah, she had to go by boat. Yeah. And that's quite um, 
quite a bit of loyalty from like a former childhood nurse. Right, exactly. And I think nurse meant like kind of like a nanny. Right. Uh, governess maybe comes to mind too. Yeah, they are English. So mm-hmm. That makes sense. So upon her arrival to the Pacific Northwest, Margaret finds out the terrible news that Claire has died. One of the two sisters has passed away already by the time she gets there. Oh my god. And when she sees Dora, she weighs 50 pounds and her bones are protruding so sharply that she actually can't sit because it hurts. Like the bones tug at her skin. Oh my god. Yeah, Margaret's reaction is to get Dora out of there immediately. But Dora's kind of out of it. Right. And she's like, no, I don't want to leave. So She got Stockholm Syndrome. Maybe a little bit. It's unclear or just if she was delusional, maybe... Just so out of it. Just so out of it, she doesn't know what she's talking about. I don't know. So Margaret's like, I don't care, I'm getting you out of here. But then she finds out that Hazard, Linda Hazard had been appointed the executor of Claire's estate, Claire who has now passed away, and was also now named Dora's guardian for life. Oh my These God. women were like in their early 30s. Oh my God. Mm-hmm. Dora also signed over her power of attorney to Samuel Hazard, Linda's husband. Oh, geez, the charlatan. Yep. So Margaret was desperate to get these girls out, obviously horrified to find all this out. And Linda extorted Margaret for thousands of dollars in exchange for Dora's freedom. Jeez. She's like, yeah, I'll sign everything back over to you. I need X amount of money. That is disgusting. And that was after she had already stolen thousands from their um, estate. And she kept their, they showed up with like nice jewelry. And so she kept their stuff. What a disgusting human. Disgusting. Yeah. (sighs) I really, really hope something bad happens to her. Like something (laughs) really bad happens to her. Yeah. (laughs) So we have the most documentation of the crimes Linda committed against the Williamson sisters. There's actually a book written about it. Um, I read like the first few pages on like Google. I'll, I'll share the book title later if anyone wants to read it. It was really well written and it's, from, you know, diary entries, letters, things like that. Um, so that's why we know so much about Claire and Dorothea. But it's estimated that between 1908 and 1912, at least 15 people died at, the, at Starvation Heights. Jeez, man. This definitely makes Linda a serial killer. Like, she's categorized as one. Yeah, I absolutely. Mm-hmm. Linda also would have gotten away with her crimes if it wasn't for the British consul getting involved. Oh my god. Yeah. Also, it's crazy, the word consul. Yes. Rome. Rome. (laughs) Uh, The British demanded an investigation, and that's how it was officially uncovered that dozens of other wealthy, and by wealthy, like upper middle class to like very wealthy individuals died under Linda's treatments. It's insane, right? But what's even more insane is that while the trial proceedings are going on, Linda was still practicing her deadly therapy and managed to kill two more human beings. Oh my god, this woman's nuts! 
And how does the state not be like, okay, just while the trial's going on, like, you can't do this anymore. Dude, I mean, now it's like when, like, a, a doctor, you know, someone dies on the operating table, like, they, there's a huge investigation, even if it's for things that are completely out of their control. Yep. Oh my god, this is wild. Insane. It's such, like, neglect, and I mean, it just shows kind of how wild and unorganized the medical field was at this time i guess that there's no procedures here right this is only just a little over 100 years ago yeah it's wild wild west Mm-hmm. thankfully dorothea gets better dorothea williamson mm-hmm. and she is able to testify against the hazards at trial yes there we go linda and sam hazard are found guilty of manslaughter and they were sentenced to do you want to guess what sentencing you would get for manslaughter of like life. 15 counts of manslaughter yeah i mean it should be multiple lifetimes yeah no oh. that's not what happened oh god they what? were sentenced to two to 20 years in prison what the hell <laughs> what kind of sentencing is that yeah who who is this judge i want to smack him around I want to remind you all that two years is also what sam hazard served for bigamy yeah, the any I remember someone describing the, the American legal system as like one not a justice system and two like any justice done is purely out of coincidence. It's just error almost. Yeah. Oh my gosh. It's just boggling to me that with so many witnesses too, with so many people knowing what was happening with Dorothea's testimony 2 years. And I say 2 years because after only serving 2 years Linda is released on parole. And then for some unknown reason, she is granted a full pardon by the governor, Ernest Lister, in 1916. Dude, who is this woman? Like, I mean, she's a literal serial killer, and she just, like, charms her way out of these situations, fleeces people out of, like, inheritances, like, estates. Yeah. I, 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 it boggles my mind. You'll see on our Instagram, we'll post a photo of her. She doesn't look that charming. I don't know. She doesn't look like very charismatic or like, she looks super like sad and hmm. like Victorian repressed is oh, the vibe. Oh, well, maybe that's, that was the vibe back then. They, were, they liked that vibe? Yeah. They're like, oh, you're was, repressed? Oof, baby, I'll do anything you want. That's the aesthetic they were going for? Yeah. So per my research, it's unclear how long Sam served. Mm-hmm. Um, but they are reunited. We do know that. Okay. They get back together. Yay. Great. And then, I'm so sorry to tell you this, Andrew. Oh, my God. They start practicing in, don't they? Yeah. Oh, Hazard geez. continues to promote fasting and open sanit- a sanitarium, despite the controversy surrounding her. Uh, she opens this new sanitarium, which she called a school for health. Because her medical license was revoked, at least. Yeah. She's unable to call herself a doctor now. Um, And she continued to supervise fasts until, mysteriously, the sanitarium burns to the ground in 1935. Oh my god, but so decades. Decades. I mean, good, but it took too long. Yeah. Luckily, it's never rebuilt after that. And ultimately... Linda Hazard's own hunger for power and wealth leads to her downfall. She died in 1938, reportedly from self-imposed fasting. Good. 
good. Yes. <laughs> I've never rooted so hard, I think, in the, like the history of history for weirdos, for someone to die. I know. This woman is like... She's like zero redeeming qualities. She's evil. Pure evil. Her husband, Samuel, died eight years later of just like natural causes, unfortunately. And that, weirdos, is the story of Starvation Heights. Oh, man. This was this one's a tough one. You can still see where Starvation Heights was. The house for that sanatorium is still standing in Olala, Washington. Oh, we shouldn't do a field trip. Yeah, let's do a field trip. That would be fun. So, I want to pose the question back to you. Do you think she believed in her own BS? That's a really tough question. So, I think... I think it's sort of a combination. I think ultimately the way because she died that way. She died. If she did die of fasting, if that's like 100% true, then I think there is some part of her that did. Like yes. it could have been one of those things that like she ultimately just bought into her own, you know, shenanigans, her own BS. Right, right. She convinced herself of her lie. Right, exactly. She was so good at lying. She convinced herself this is the truth. Yeah, which happens to like um, cult leaders and things like that, right? Yeah. They buy into this belief that they have this like special power. I think the minister of propaganda for the, you know, the Nazis. Mm-hmm. I forgot who, I forgot who it was. But he eventually, I mean, he coined the term like tell like a lie enough times it becomes the truth. Ooh. And so. That's probably how she felt about her starvation methods. I think yeah. so, yeah. I think it was like a very traumatic and desperate past that led her to look into something like this. Right. But then I think it honestly is just, like you said, probably sociopathy that led to Yeah. I mean, because like, there are plenty of people that have had terrible things done to them when they were children and they don't go and do stuff like this. Yeah. And the repeated, like you said, people entrusting their lives to her repeatedly and her letting them die. That's not a coincidence, right? And right. And that's... If she wasn't planning for that to happen, if she wasn't maliciously trying to kill these people, at least her empathy would be like, maybe I should stop this. This isn't yeah. really working that well. Or like she probably wouldn't use that money to enrich herself. Like, Yes, there's that too. So that she is scheming because at some point, maybe it didn't start off this way, but at some point she does start telling people like, you know, there's a chance you might die. Give me your money. Give me your money if you do. Yeah, like what? Yeah unbelievable linda hazard is honestly like such a terrible person no yeah. matter how you split it or try to think she, it through she is like the worst like epitome of like the bad weirdo yes that we cover. like because she was interesting for her time like instead of like promoting something that was ahead of her time she was just promoting herself as oh i'm doing something ahead of my time but in reality it's just utter garbage yeah she's a darth weirdo she's a darth weirdo oh yeah. snap Ooh, that would be good on merch darth weirdo darth weirdo <laughs> and let me just share the sources for this week the smithsonian magazine oh um, they're so good so good really good article on her seattleterrors.com Ooh, that's kind of cool mm -hmm. you can learn more about like the house and like visiting and stuff like that Murderpedia. Oh my god, that's like your thing. <laughs> she has her own entry on Murderpedia. And then the book that I reference, which I think all of these sources also reference, is called Starvation Heights, a true story of murder and malice in the woods of the Pacific Northwest, written by Greg Olson. 
Mm. And it was really good. Like, I think there's like 30 or 40 pages that you could just read for free. And it was very good. Oh, nice. That's really cool. And then historylink.org was the final article I used. And then Wikipedia. Of course. Of course. Well, thank you so much for that episode. That was really interesting. I never even heard of her before. Yeah, very dark and, as you said, weird in the worst way. It's like the worst possible way. And you hadn't heard of her before? I had never heard of her. I had heard, I don't know if it was of her specifically, but I had heard of, around this time period, the presence of these sort of nefarious sanatoriums. Mm. And this is... This is pretty nefarious. It sounds like something that would be like an American horror story. Ooh, yeah. Yeah. I think they did. Oh, they did have like uh, not a sanatorium, but a an insane asylum. Oh, yeah. It wasn't in this time. I think it was a little bit later. Okay. I can't remember, but. But um, yeah, it's just so unfortunate to think that these places that are supposed to be like to help you get better, whether it's in a, a mental health asylum or sanatorium or just places to be tortured. Tortured and fleeced out of money. Like utter pure evil pure evil well on that note <laughs> anyways <laughs> on that cheery note weirdos thank you so much for listening this week yeah thank you guys you know the drill if you haven't followed us on instagram go ahead and do so sign up for the trip get your early bird discount and where can they sign up for the trip tell them okay uh it's in the link oh yeah we'll post the link actually in the show notes and it's if you go to our Instagram, it's in the bio. Yeah, so you'll see the link in our bio on Instagram, link in the show notes. We'll make it easy for you. Make it easy. So we get to see you in Italy next year. Oh, I'm so excited. Thank you so much, weirdos. Until next time, adios. Bye.